Great. So I'm very excited to be here with you, Dimitri, today and to explore the topic that I think is really, really interesting and will be helpful for many people since it's something that is universal to the human experience. So thank you for, for joining me here today. Thank you for my, your time. My pleasure, definitely. Thank you for getting the idea, inviting me into this conversation. And uh, I'm excited. Let's see what opens up. Yeah. So um, maybe a little bit of background. What? Um, so the idea came because of reading your post. And maybe for people listening and watching, what did you, if you could just recap, what did you write on that post? And what are those three stages that we're going to be exploring and talking about? Sure, sure. Um, kind of the post that I wrote uh, uh, was describing three levels of consciousness that uh, I noticed people going through. So kind of the first level is the level of a victim or where life is happening to us in a way where uh, we really feel that we are stuck in our situation. Our boss is controlling, our relationship is falling apart and I can't get out because uh, this is the only way that I can pay for an apartment. Uh, and I need my abusive partner to support me financially. Uh, it could be anything like that where we really feel at the effect of the circumstance and like there's no absolutely uh, seeing way out of this. And it's a it's in a, in a way a very sucky situation to be in. <laughs> and I feel for all those people. And uh, I hope in this conversation they, they get, if uh, anybody in that situation does happen to listen, and hear this that uh, there's hope to uh, increase the level of consciousness even a couple more degrees so uh, the first step out of that victim consciousness is of course all of this personal development self-help that we are in control of our um, circumstance of our life of where um, our direction where where we're going and this is everything that uh, out there you can see about high performance high achievement that we are in control, we can make it happen, uh, whatever our circumstance is, uh, it was we did it in a way, um, not in, in a way to disempower ourselves, but that, hey, uh, mistakes happened, okay, but we forget the past, it happened because it happened, and now we can we can take our future into our hands and let's go and, and make a difference. And this is when we um, sign up for the gym, on January 1st and, and we go there for, for a month or two. Um, or it's it's all of this talk about habits and discipline and uh, in a way going after our dreams. And if we don't have any dreams yet, then we'll start dreaming. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, you know, uh, what was that quote? If uh, you believe you can or you can't, kind of, you, yeah. you'll be Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's <clears throat> Henry Ford that like if you believe you can and if you believe you can't both are kind of both are true i don't remember the exact quote but right 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 yeah. so so uh with with that perspective when we believe that we are in control of our uh situation we can get ourselves out and so this is where i personally got stuck for quite a long time and i couldn't get out of it because even though i knew that i was in control i was trying my hardest um, I was disciplined as heck. I was one of the most disciplined people I knew, you know, sometimes 5 a.m. wake up calls down to like 3 a.m. wake up calls, meditating mm -hmm. for hours. And at some point, um, kind of, I, I saw that I hit the ceiling and there wasn't, uh, 
I didn't see a way out because I was already working too hard and <laughs> I couldn't work any harder. So uh, at that point, kind of, I started looking for answers and we got to this third level of consciousness, which is in a way, a level of flow, surrender, and in a way of being a creator. So that's kind of what I call it, rather than being an achiever of our life, we come to an understanding that we are the creator of our life. And it happens when we, in a way, surrender into the flow of how life is happening. And instead of being this active creator um, of our actions and of our plans and goal setting and everything else, we become the observer of sitting in the boat, flowing with the river, and kind of observing where are we going and and just enjoying the journey a little more. So I, the the kind of, I think the biggest part, the jump that happens from the second level of achiever to the third level of this flow and surrender is that uh, there's a lot of relief of this pressure of responsibility. Mm. That, that we feel that uh, many times we feel overwhelmed of doing too much and uh, we stop being active participant in our life like when there's too much we shut down the, the way our certain nervous system is designed is uh it's not able to handle all of this pressure we're not uh, built to answer all of world's problems and solve for world's hunger and clean the oceans and everything else we're just a little cog in the, in the machine in a way and when we realize that life becomes a little more beautiful and not only that but it opens up the doors for even higher levels of impact, service, and achievement when in a way like on the third level, we we get out of the way. So it's like mm. from the first level of victim, we step into our empowerment and we start the machine going. And then as it begins to roll down, in a way we need to step out of the way to, to let it happen and just see where life takes us. And um, yeah, kind of, if that makes sense, kind of a little expansion on a little post. Yeah, that's very interesting that um, it feels like on one hand that the level of um, from the first to the second level, certainly there's less victimhood and there's more control over the, the life and there's more empowerment because you're kind of taking control of your circumstances and you're willing your way into um, making things happen. And then what I heard is that it reaches a kind of a certain ceiling when there's only so many hours in the day you can work and you just, you can't go on any longer like that. And then there's this certain, I think would be interesting to explore. There's, there's a shift from, from working, uh, you know, nonstop to, to sitting in the boat and watching how life goes by. And what I also heard that it doesn't, you don't become a monk, you don't become uh, you don't disengage from from daily living completely. You're still doing things, but it feels that it comes from a different feeling or from a different place. And I imagine that if somebody listening from the first, like, kind of going uh, in in life from the first level, it sounds um, it sounds almost like how how is that possible? You know, how is that possible that I'm I'm working more and more and more and up to the, a certain level. And then it just seems like I'm doing less and I'm still what you guys are telling me, that person would could say, like what you guys are telling me, I'm still getting results, but I'm doing less. 
So what is that shift that happens from the second to the, to the third level? Because it, I think it's pretty straightforward and people are very familiar with first to second. You know, you're just doing more. You're like more, you know, do, 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 just do it. And you're taking more action and control. And then something something shifts there from the second to the third. So what, what happens there? This is, uh, for me, was a huge uh, journey of frustration, anger, uh, not wanting to let go, like, it's in a way the journey of helping the mind see that it's not the one who is driving life forward. Hmm. And uh, it's it was really tough for me to do that, especially uh, having in a way programmed my subconscious by listening to all these, even even like CDs. I I was a little older than than listening to tapes, but it was already CDs in cars. Uh, constantly having something on in my ear, like the Tony Robbins and all these wonderful other inspiring teachers, motivators, and speakers hmm. that have programmed me that everything is up to me and I do everything. And it was a, a journey jumping from the second to the third. It was unlearning everything that I, I've been taught, everything that everybody else is teaching right now. And I have a little story how that happened to me, like that sort of the last straw that broke the camel's back was we have a backyard that kind of goes out into nature and have two dogs. And I let the dogs out as usual, just kind of go to the backyard, do their stuff. But they saw a little bunny and they chased after it and they caught the bunny. And... Uh, like I felt anger inside. I'm like, why Why did I let the dogs out? Why did they run after the bunny? Why did this whole thing needed to happen? And it was happening. I was a little busy. Like I didn't have the time to deal with all of that. Now I had a little, little bunny to deal with, whatever the dogs were going to do with it. And when I got to it, it was still alive. And I was looking at it. And in a way, in some weird way, I, I even thought or heard it ask me like you still think you're in control do you mm. and and that thought that little conversation that i had with this thing got my body in a huge reaction of anger and i couldn't understand it i i what was happening was it was a little Bunny, like I've I've seen that bunnies before. It was it was that moment that woke me up, shook me up from thinking that I needed to control not opening the door. I need to control my dog so they don't chase up the, the bunny. I needed to control so that the bunny isn't there, and I needed to control so that the, the bunny doesn't pass out after my dog gets it. And it's like, all of these five things, they just happened. And my mind was trying to think that it was either A, my fault, that I needed to have controlled the circumstance, I needed to have seen it all happen. Like all of these things that uh, the mind would usually try to uh, grasp on and take credit for. 
in, in a way. So it, it was kind of a little story as an answer to, to you, what uh, needs to happen in that jump. And it is uh, helping the mind understand that it didn't choose this body. It didn't choose your parents. It didn't choose your interests or talents. Um, that in, in a way, it's a conversation of destiny versus free will. Mm. And and we can jump into that a little, a little as well. Yeah, that would be that would be very interesting because really when you see that so many circumstances are already given, that you see that even even just from what you said, I think a person can see that how much less free will there is actually because of the parents and the talents and the personalities and really chosen by 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 us consciously then what are we you know how much free will we actually have but maybe because before we go into that i wanted to ask so i see that the person so i hear that you know in a way you had to you said you had to unlearn a lot of what you learned going from stage one to stage two yeah and maybe that's what they talk about when say mean when when they talk about you know the beginner's mind that you need to re, re, leave behind all this information all the baggage that brought you um to the next stage and kind of go empty-handed into the third stage yeah and there's this book um i really love the title that, that that's called what what got you here won't, go, won't get you there so it sounds like what, what got you from one to two will not get you to, to stage three and I also imagine that the person looking from stage one or two, it looks like going to the next level is having even more control. It's having even more empowerment. It's having even more influence. And what they're, what you're saying, what, what they're hearing maybe from this is like, no, it's actually the opposite. You're, you're giving up control. You're giving up your influence. You're giving up your empowerment and things still happen. And your life still unfolds in a much kind of, more beautiful way or less more effortless way than than before um and also when you said about those the mind trying to control the rabbit and the dogs and what happens that sounded almost yeah that, that sounded really stressful and that that's what happens yeah when we try to when we read the news and we take on all the problems of the world yeah that we the mind is really analyzing all of that and trying to make sense and trying to control any of that. And, and it's just too much. That's how people, I think, break down because it's just like you said, we're not designed for that. Yeah, the, it's just too much to take on. Um, so when we, what happened in that moment when you, when you saw that, when you saw the rabbit and when you, how did the transition look like from stage two to stage three? Was it gradual? Was it a, this sudden shift and... Be, besides giving up control, what else did you have to leave behind to kind of uh, transition to this third stage? Yeah, yeah. thank you for that uh, question and, and reflection. Mm. It was um, that day was actually very tough. Um, I was angry. Like I, I'm not usually an angry person, uh, but I have gotten to uh, allow my emotions to come through uh, to be more aware of when the emotions come up so the whole experience was not pretty uh, i needed to get out of the house because my girlfriend is like uh, just asking normal questions like what's what's wrong with you like what's what happened 
and I just couldn't react. Like it was just, just, it's not even anger. It's like the, the next level, it was rage, like through me. Mm. And it wasn't that I was angry at something. It was, it was uh, the way now looking back, I, I think it was just my mind angry with, it's like, damn it. I don't want to let go of the control. I'm not, I'm going to hold on until the last moment. Mm. And it took me uh, quite a few time to let it all process. And so now it is in a way, uh, watching myself do stuff. And, and it was a learned practice and experience of sitting on the couch, not initiating an action, but then finding myself washing dishes. Hmm. And a number of other experiences like this, where I would go out, go to a coffee shop. I don't have an intention to which coffee shop. And then when I come to a crossroad to turn left or right, I don't know until I make the turn mm -hmm. until in a way my body makes the turn. So I go right. And then I'm like, okay, I guess we're going right. So it was this deeper understanding and experience of what does it actually mean? to watch my body do stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was coming to this confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that the body is going to do stuff without me having to make it do things. Mm -hmm. So how does that feel? I'm, I'm curious, like, does it, um, does it mean that you're, you're noticing, you're observing the body is doing stuff and you're, you're observing from afar from some distance or it's just that you are it's just a regular bodily experience but you just don't know what's going to happen next what the body is it going to turn left or right um it's not that i'm like outside of the body watching the body yeah. uh, <laughs> i think it's it's the same experience it's the same human experience that that um i have thoughts but now i'm able to to hear these thoughts and kind of watch them as well observe the thoughts it's like ooh, that angry person just yelled at me and then that creates stuff in the body and i'm I'm watching all of this as well and i'm not taking responsibility i'm not because i'm not taking responsibility i don't feel guilty for the stuff that i think my body is doing wrong and i'm also not taking not attaching to the the way the stuff is going to unfold to control it. Uh, in a way, it's it's like okay, let's let's see what's next. And so this morning, even I woke up, and I had some intention of of plan like a little morning routine, like you know, clean up, wash up, eat, and I'm kind of okay. Let's see how it's going to go. And then I ended up meditating for a little bit and. Um, I didn't finish my breakfast before we jumped on this call. Hmm. And this was me now watching how my morning unfolded rather than now beating myself, rushing to this call. I didn't have time to uh, finish my breakfast. I should have started earlier. I should have meditated less. I should have gotten up earlier. So it's like all of these shoulds are coming away. And in a way I'm watching, okay, this is this is how it's happening interesting let's go yeah 
So it sounds like on one hand, there's less um, mental chatter or you're more observant of it rather than being identified with it, uh, with your thoughts. And, and on the other hand, it sounds like there's more trust in that in the kind of intelligence of the body or of life where the body will do what it needs to do and it will will unfold in some kind of intelligent good way where you don't the mind doesn't need to to predict or control how it's going to end up being there does it sound like could you speak to that part of of the trust because it sounds like it's very important going from stage two to stage three to kind of when you let go of of something when you let go of all this empowerment and let go of making things happen you need to lean on something that the world doesn't fall apart you need to believe that it will it will be you know going well but at the same time i don't need to make it happen yeah so what if there is this element of trust what what is that trust in what is making things happen now that we are not in control and trying to make them happen yeah yeah this is this is huge because as i'm having conversations with people and actually coaching them through uh, getting to this other next level mm -hmm. the biggest thing is this fear and we have fears of a bunch of stuff uh fear of rejection fear of running out of money fear of um like especially for high achievers the main fear that i see is that if i'm gonna sit on the couch and not do anything then nothing's gonna happen in my life i'm gonna be a failure i'm gonna end up alone and i'm gonna hate myself mm -hmm. basically and as as long as we have this view of ourselves and of the future that if I don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. I'm, and eventually I'm going to end up alone, unhappy, fat, and unhealthy. And, and maybe at the end of the day, die. Right? Even like the fear of death. Uh, the mind is a tool to help us be safe. Hmm. So as long as we have these fears as very active, even in our subconscious, if we never looked at these fears, uh, especially when we watch the news and everything that's happening in the world, all of that is subconsciously programming our our system to to be on the lookout for threats. Mm -hmm. uh, and as long as the mind believes that there is a threat out there, it is going to do its best job, which it is designed for to keep us safe. Mm. And in order for it to keep us safe, it's going to take control and and not want to let go of control because what's going to happen then? Well, then we're going to die. It's, it's kind of, you know, it doesn't get any worse than that. And I think the, the fear of death at the end of the day. Yeah, that, that's the final point. I think there's <laughs> not, not, much, not much fear after that or will not be, be reborn anymore. Maybe that, that would be the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah there's a yeah there, there, there's a i can certainly relate to that fear and to that fear of for me usually goes like i'll starve something will happen i'll starve and i'll die <laughs> and then the, the second uh, and third are always the same i'll starve and then i die so um and also yeah i can imagine that in the culture 
in the environment with the news that are designed to supply us with the 24-7 stream of things that are going wrong with the world. You know, there's there's enough threats for the mind to be on vigilance, to be really trying to solve everything. And also com- kind of convincing that, look, I'm, I'm, I have an important job and if you don't employ me anymore if you don't use me if you don't lean on me anymore like we're gonna die look at what's happening in the middle east look what's happening with the flood and with all of this and it sounds very logical like yeah i need to i need to be in control of things so what would you say um i'm curious in this about this aspect of news do you suggest for example that people disengage from the negative um negative stream of information as part of of letting go of control or does it come automatically after they they do the inner work and they see a deeper something deeper for themselves how how do you think about that it's an interesting question you bring up um i I think most people that i've worked with who are already at the second level of achievement i think they have already gone through the inner work of stopping to watch the news Hmm. Yeah. Um, this is kind of the the number one thing with high performance high achievement is is stop the consuming. And and yet, what's interesting is that, in a way, the the society we live in, I am watching amazing founders, startup leaders. They are really breaking through technological. Um, innovations like they're on the edge of creating new things uh employing a lot of people and then the stuff that happened in israel right now with the war now they're glued to the tv Mm. now they're glued to the news on their phones now they're posting on social media about all of the bad stuff so in a way Mm. what happened in society out there caught their mind's attention there's a threat Mm. now instead of being creative and pushing humanity forward all of that creative juice and energy has gone into the fear and safety and protection. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way they, they kind of, they backstep into the, the second level just by the, by the fact of pay, paying attention to the potential threats and the mind being activated and the mind really trying to protect them, solve all those problems somewhere. And and it's kind of it sounds very logical, you know, when when there's a problem, when it sounds recently somebody told me that it's the same mechanism that that we are afraid of a tiger before, you know, when we're living in the caves and in the jungles and being afraid of a dislike on social media now. Like it's the same physiology in the body. And so it feels the same that you know, the threat of a tiger and the the, the news about the Middle East, even though it it's happening so far away and, and has no relation to the person who is watching the news. Mm. So, so I, I, I hear that, okay, there's this fear. That's why the mind doesn't want to let go of control. And also that fear, letting, not letting go of control stops from going to the third stage of kind of more effortless or more inspired action. And the fear is different for different people, if I'm correct. It has different flavor, but but it always ends the same as as dying. And yeah, 
And so how do you help them to go from stage two to stage three? Is it working with their own flavor of fear or um, how does it look like when somebody says, okay, so let's say somebody comes to you and they, they've really, um, they're really proud of the, 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 the path they've taken and the achievement they've created from path uh, stage one to stage two. But they're also feeling that there is more to that and they're very stressed. They come to you and they say, you know, I want what they resonate with what you wrote. They say, okay, I want you, I want that. I want more peace and more calm. And at the same time, you know, I don't want to live in a cave and I want to, to, I want to keep performing. So how do you go about that with them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent question. And I I just want to also address and mention that I'm not uh, saying anything wrong about what's happening in the world out there. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, I know, People have families in those uh, countries affected. Whatever yeah. was happening or is happening with Russia, Ukraine, I'm I'm half and half, so I have yeah. family both both sides. So I can uh, definitely compassionately understand uh, how real it is uh, mm-hmm. to to be in that uh, in, engagement in a way. Uh, so kind of it's there's there's nothing wrong that people are doing all of this stuff. Uh, just just wanted to make sure that we're, we're not you know causing it yeah and that this could be yeah i think there could be also you know less dramatic examples of the same of the same kind of not of the same magnitude but but the same principle of just reading about a traffic accident reading about so it can be something minor but but it triggers the same mechanism of the mind of going like huh it's the problem i need to solve it i need to be on guard so yeah i think it doesn't necessarily maybe have to be so big and those are yeah, those are tragedies, and people people are dying and being killed, and and it also I think doesn't like you said those in in, in innovators that have been really pushing the boundaries and helping people with what they do when they get glued to the screen or 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 to the f- smartphone, it's not really helping. I mean, it's 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 tragic what's happening, but but they're not in a way that they're not using their full potential to do what they can best help humanity with. So it's a kind of misuse of the energy and misuse of their talents and, and attention, I think. And also a, an excellent job for the mind to kind of to bite and say, yeah, you need me. I'm back. I'm back to I'm back to the task. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's um sometimes I find myself as well, you know, watching a sports game and it's like, oh, you shouldn't have kicked it that way. You shouldn't have thrown it. You should have given the pass at that right time. And it's like, mm. well. It's a great use of energy and excitement, but um, I saw a little picture meme on the internet about it. it's like mm-hmm. showing this raving fans of a sports game. You know, it's like, oh, and and the message, the little message said, "Imagine if people got this excited about things that actually mattered." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine all this energy yeah, going into into something, some productive direction, and maybe with, yeah, kind of orchestrated and brought together and channeled into something really powerful and productive um so so yeah going back a bit to the question like when they come to you and they ask what do you do with them how do you how do you help them how do you start even talking about this going from stage two to stage three yeah yeah um when when you ask that i right away kind of thinking why why uh what what does happen to the people Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that from the first stage of a victim to the second stage of sort of being in control and being the achiever in your life, 
in a way it is um at the level of performance right as as a victim i'm not doing anything i'm not taking action i'm not having the conversations uh and to get out of it we actually need to act a lot more uh to mm-hmm. stand up for what we believe in to um find find some ways to get out of the situation but from the second to the third it is no longer the level of performance it is no longer the action or the lack of action mm. and that's why uh kind of i call these there three levels of consciousness it is the way we view ourselves and the world so the person who is operating at the second level i have made all of the achievements it was my efforts it was my talents communicating with people it was me seeing through my gifts of uh, market opportunities creating these wonderful products leadership of finding the right people in, in the spot right uh to make that shift it's the huge ego kick hmm. that it was none of your doing hmm. And it is much harder for the successful people who have achieved a lot of stuff to to tell them, do you really think it was all you who did all of this? Hmm. Much harder for them to let go would mean, yeah, of course it was me. Like, who else? It is a little easier for people who keep failing hmm. and, and <laughs> yeah, can yeah, make stuff happen. It's like, yeah. for them, it's much easier to say, it's like, okay, all of those failures you've had, None of you are doing, none of you are mm-hmm. Much easier conversation to have. Um, and then what I'm watching is the people who are successful, life is somehow taking all of those successes and accomplishments away in whichever way uh, the market changes, the company job changes, um, and they're losing all of the achievements that they had. So money somehow goes relationship marriage disappears the their status and their position disappear now they're open to that conversation a little more to say it's like now we we're gaining to the in a way uncomfortable negative part for the mind to say well damn like all of this bad stuff is happening now there's opportunity for this type of conversation to come in it's like look Hmm. if all of this bad stuff is happening even though you are still operating at your best wouldn't that mean that this is none of your doing? And if this is none of your doing, then what about the previous successes? Could they also be none of your doing? And so here we differentiate a little bit of who is doing all of this stuff and, and how all of this is happening. Um, so to to address kind of there's there's a little pathway that, that we do is is one we decondition the mind from all of the rules mm-hmm. that uh, we have been conditioned in, in, in the world, right? It's like people who are born in the East, uh, people born in, in Japan, there's a certain hierarchy of um, honor and responsibility and and um, kind of valuing society at a, at a very high level. People in the East, it's more of all of the success and the money and, and self-worth in a way that... Um, my life has meaning when I succeed, when I perform, when when I uh, achieve. Mm-hmm. So we kind of crumble those beliefs down a little bit. And then we get to the emotional fears. Of course, kind of the fear of death even. And I was going to bring up the 
uh, was a insightful joke that uh, they actually say people are more afraid of public speaking than of death. Yeah, I heard those. Uh, they always fascinated me. That, it's it's, it's that like, you, yeah. Yeah, so many people said that, yeah. Because you're dead, you're dead. That's fine. But when you're speaking, you still got to do something on stage. <laughs> you still got to perform before you die. It's kind of a death by by a thousand paper cuts on stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we got to look at all of those. Um, and, and the best way to look at it, right? If we are inherently afraid of death, that means we are totally identified with this. Um mind body uh meat suit mm -hmm. in a way that um when this dies then i die mm -hmm. and so here we open up the conversation one we can stay at this level that i am this meat suit and when i die i die and and we can have the conversations like well you're gonna die anyway everybody dies in in that mm -hmm. way why are we gonna not continue on living when everybody's going to die. So like, what's the point of being afraid of that? Mm. But beyond that, we get into the conversation and who are we really? Mm. And I love doing this little exercise. It's like, well, who are we? And, you know, I'm me, I'm, you're you. And I don't mm. know if we have this, done this together. It's basically we, we just, okay, so I'm, I'm this, I'm, I'm Dimitri, I'm this body, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, where in the body are you? Mm. And, and then we start asking, it's like, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, like if we cut off the finger, you know, are you going to be in the finger or are you going to be in the body? Mm -hmm. And we cut off the hand, are you going to be in the hand or in the body? And then we come to like, we cut off the legs and arms and and then and then we're left with the head and body. When we cut off the neck, where are you going to be? Good question. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, the answer would be like, I'm still in the hand. You know that because so much of the perception is associated with the head, so it's it's the seeing, the hearing, the the, the smelling, the tasting. So I think it's very natural for a person to say, "Yeah, I will be without legs and arms, but I would still be in my head. I'm still mm -hmm. in my head." So how do you go? How do you go from there? And the person says, "Yeah, I'm still in the head. I'm I'm a little less, worse off. I'm, I have no legs and arms, uh, but but I'm still in the head." Okay. Cool. So then we go then in the head, then probably in the brain. Hmm. Right? Because kind of if we if we start taking the head apart, it's like, well, yeah. we can take everything, we can just have the brain. So yeah. then we're in the brain, right? So then what we just did, we just disassembled the attachment that I am this body. Mm -hmm. So this is this is the the one small step that well, we're not the body, then mm -hmm. we're the mind, perhaps, right? And then we go into the conversation of what are we doing now with the mind? Are you the mind or are you the thing that is hearing the mind think? Hmm. So in a way I'm hearing, are you your thoughts, are you your thinking, or are you the the space where the thinking occurs that you can notice your thinking. Right. Yeah. So what, what do the people say at this stage? Usually I imagine the people say that, yeah, I'm, I'm the thinking I'm, I'm still me. I'm in the brain, but I'm still me. Uh, how does, 
how would you go with, with somebody who is still identified with the contents of their thinking, so who still thinks that they are the thoughts? Um, what is that st- step to to help them see that perhaps they're a bit more than that? Mm-hmm. They're not just the thoughts. Um, very logical, practical conversation, uh, which is also a way that we need to unlearn that, right? The the high performance achiever industry is telling us change your thinking, change your life. Mm-hmm. Right. That means that we can control the thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then we just do a little, little psychological trick. Don't think about the red elephant. Don't mm-hmm. think about the red elephant. Don't think, don't even think about the red elephant. Don't mm-hmm. even think, don't even try to. Okay, what what are you doing? There's a mm-hmm. red elephant appearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And and so what what is happening? Why can't you control your thoughts? Yeah, well, <clears throat> a person can say that. Well, in this case, there's still kind of there, there's an outside influence. Yes, I can't control because you're telling me, mm-hmm. even though you're telling me not to think about it. But you're still you're still bringing up the image of it, or the, the 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 name of the red elephant, so it appears in my mind. Yeah. So what does it? What 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 are you trying to show them here? Is that the the contents of their? What 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 are you showing here with this example? Yeah, and I, I I love kind of how how you're like you're you're applying it this right away. So this whole conversation is we're creating we're creating the separation between the identification that we have created with this body. Mm-hmm. So by doing the first exercise, we just said, okay, we're not the body. We have a mm-hmm. body. And then if we're the mind, okay, so if we're the mind, then we should be able to like move things left and right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I mm-hmm. want to be able to control where I'm thinking. So in this way, uh, in in a way, this shows that we can't control our thinking. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yes, there are ways or there are times when we in a way, can perceive that we're in control of the thinking. Mm-hmm. But uh, most of the time, like it's just this little exercise, shows that thoughts come mm-hmm. and they go. Mm-hmm. And, okay, uh, you might be saying that you saw the red elephant because I said the red elephant, right? Yeah. But if you close your eyes and you sit there and you don't do anything, thoughts are going to come in. Mm-hmm. And another part of you is like, why am I thinking? It's like, I shouldn't be thinking that way. Mm-hmm. If if we're in a low state, we're going to be thinking negative thoughts. If we're in a good state, we're going to be thinking about what am I going to do next week? Like, I'm excited about that plan for work or that conversation or that uh, vacation that I'm going to have. Mm-hmm. Those thoughts are coming in. We're watching. So now we just created the separation, a little distance between now our mind and who we really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a great example that that kind of shows to everyone that that everybody had the thought that just occurred in their mind. And it can be some memory, it can be some plan, and they had no idea why. It's like, I don't know why I just thought about it. And at those moments, I think it's very intuitively 
like it's easy to understand that we're not in control because we didn't originate that thought it just occurred and we had no control we had no nothing to do with it um and also i think it easily gets overlooked because because of that sense of me because it's so easy that the me um tells a story if we pay attention to it and we just look why did i just think that um that that question why did i just think that pulls us away from from noticing the fact and we get lost again in thinking so i think those instances they kind of get lost in the narrative of of the of the mind that that's telling the story the whole day from from the morning to the night and and i also think that it's i love this um can I share this uh, little exercise? It's a question, actually. Well, I think that yeah, will course. also add add to it. So, think. Can you think of two um, names of two actors? Can be female or male actors. Uh, do I do I tell them? Yeah, you you yeah yeah yeah. You can tell. Okay, them. Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock. Okay. So now, can you tell me why of, of the hundreds of names of actors that you, you know, you chose those two? I have no idea. Well, I have no idea about Brad Pitt uh, and Sandra Bullock. I think I just uh, read about her a couple of days ago. Okay. Her name popped up. So that was just a recent uh, yeah. memory. Brad Pitt, no idea. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's one that with no story at all, like no idea, completely white, I said, and another with a little bit of story. But I also, I'm sure that you've read about other actors recently, maybe after her and before her, that didn't pop up in your mind. But mm-hmm. she did for some reason. And then the mind immediately starts telling the story of like, yeah, well, I read about her. And Brad Pitt, we kind of just, we can put aside because I don't know. <laughs> and because the mind wants to be in control, it's like, oh, this is outlier. Well, I'm not going to talk about this. But I think what it shows so so quickly that we, in order to first, like if we, to believe that we are originators of our thinking, we need to say that I first thought about Brad Pitt and then I said Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought before thinking. Uh, then, I, then I was, that's why I was in control. But what really happens is it just popped up. Of all the names, one name popped up and we have no idea why. And I think it shows so easily to people that, yeah, the, the, the free will, I mean, just in the moment, seeing that the free will is much less than we actually think. Because this example shows that thoughts just pop up and the same thing with actions. Like we do something, we don't know why it just occurred. I think that's similar to what you're saying, that you you go left or right, you, you start your morning routine and you don't know why you're doing those things that you're doing in the moment. And... At the same time, I think there's still the, the obstacle that was still in the way. I'm, I'm I'm back to playing the role of that person who is still skeptical about the fact that there there's me, and they'll just say, "Yeah, well, well, but there's still me, you know. There's still my there's still my personality. This is the maybe the last straw or one of the last straws. There's still my personality. There's me. There's you know there's my story. There is me as my character. I mean." Those things are real. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm in the brain. Whatever I'm I'm in the brain. I'm in the body. It doesn't really matter. But but I'm my per- I'm me. I'm my personality. What would you say to that? Well, 
uh, one i loved your exercise it's like it's it's definitely it's like mm-hmm. for the mind um the the name just popped in, into into my brain like it couldn't just pop pop in right so it's like what do you mean there's there's got to be i'm i'm going to and i'm going to go on a 20 year research why things pop in <laughs> yeah yeah i will find the reason i'll find the reason <laughs> right right yeah um and sorry your question um yeah what, what would you say it, to that person who still thinks that they're, they're the personality they're the story the past memory the the preferences all of those yeah uh one thing right away is like if people are skeptic and they're looking for proof Hmm. Uh, this is not the conversation. Hmm. Um, if 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 you are set in your ways and you want to prove that you are correct, awesome! I love it. Um, I would love to hear your story. I I listen to people's stories every day. I love to know how people view themselves in the world, and I'm not here to prove anything to anyone. Hmm. But if they are coming from maybe less of a doubt, but as you mentioned, like a skeptic, like I'm still not sure, like I want to see it, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's say they're really honest and they're really uh, open to it, but they're just like shading off the layers. Okay. If those things are not true, well, this is what comes up for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, so now uh, we just disconnected ourselves, created space between us and the body. So that's like, mm-hmm. I'm not the body. I have a body that has feelings, has blood, has vessels. Mm-hmm. I'm not the mind. I am the thing that has thoughts. Mm-hmm. And in a way, we come to this understanding realization that we are just, whatever the name is, awareness watching. We are mm-hmm. observing this experience like in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then how can it be real if I if I like if if it does feel real, like I have feelings like this this feels so real. Mm-hmm. And then we come to sort of a bit of a conversation that in the bo- in in the movies a very good um reference when we're so in it like we think we're living through the main actor's life mm-hmm. we're feeling their emotions we're feeling their struggles when they're walking through the dark corridor we are freaking afraid and scared and tense of what's going to happen mm-hmm. you know little thing is going to pop up and scare you you're going to scream Mm. And then you're gonna wake up. It's like, oh wait, 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 I'm not the guy in the movie. I'm, I'm right here. I'm safe. I'm mm. good. Oh, okay. And and so this is, then we get to play this game. It's like, okay, I am awareness, and I am identified as this mind and body. And then I'm mm. watching this mind and body operate. And then I am identified. And it's like, we play this game. And in a way, this is the experience we get to have. That um, um, kind of initially will be, we'll need to have the conscious jump. And then at some point we we get to see that we are actually here to watch our movie mm. of of our life play out. So the experience of our personality is actually real. Like whatever they say, you know, spiritual awakening, uh, consciousness, whatnot. It's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're not gonna jump away into some other spaceship that we're gonna just wake up. It's like, oh, that wasn't me. <laughs> we're gonna be more aware and more in the movie hmm that's interesting so what i'm hearing is that going to the next stage is not renouncement is not um 
renouncement of personality, but it's in a way embodying it even more, but from a more conscious space of knowing who you really are. So you can watch the movie, but remember that even when the movie scares you, you're still not the character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you can watch your scared, anxious body sensations. You can watch it as if it's a movie. Mm-hmm. And when we don't identify with it that I am feeling scared and we don't put the control of it that I shouldn't feel scared right now, then I am just watching my body being scared. There's more openness to having that experience. Mm-hmm. So it sounds there's more kind of, there's less being scared, but more, <clears throat> maybe more thrill about. So it becomes something positive rather than something negative. I love how you said there, there's mm-hmm. thrill. This is... um the point that we get to, I've I've spoken even to people who are on less uh, more or less like on their spiritual awakening journey, mm-hmm. and they are now feeling bad about all of the pain that humanity is going through right now. Mm-hmm. And I love how you said there comes a point at this level of watching that feeling pain becomes a thrill. Mm. Not in a sadomasochistic kind of way, but yeah. like having the sensation of, um, you know, a loved one passing, a relationship mm. ending, there is going to be a huge amount of grief and sadness and aloneness and desperation and all of that. And at some point, it can be a thrill to experience, like, oh my God, this is the human emotion of being alive. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I think that many people mis misunderstand um, and misinterpret going to the next level as, as some kind of a blissful nothingness where you don't experience your personality anymore. You become empty, an empty slate, and you're like always blissful, always, you know, benevolent, and you're never, you know, in a bad mood and you don't have the personality anymore. And what you're saying is that it's actually you, you still have the personality, you still have the human experience, but you experience it from a place of kind of, of playing a game, of enjoying the game rather than being lost in the game and feeling feeling pain because as a result of that. So there's no dissociation, there's even more embodiment, but from a place of conscious remembering of who you actually are beyond that, beyond the ex- this experience. Yeah. I, I love how you're just able to so succinctly like summarize how mm. that experience is it's like yeah thank you thank you and i i could you know really relate to that i remember a couple of years ago i was watching i don't know if you've watched this series about uh wild wild country and netflix series about osho and um, him building the, his community in america before he got uh exiled and and I was watching, and it, it is a very you know it's a very good documentary because it shows two different perspectives. One of the followers of Osho, of people who were really impacted by his presence and by his teaching, and one from from the local residents of this small town that that they decided to build this huge community in. And those local residents, they had a completely different you know they they thought there was a cult, a cult there. They thought they, those people were crazy, and. Also watching Osho, it made me 
I was really baffled because I, I, I even, even reached out. I was working with a coach at the time, Auntie, and I reached out to him and said, can we have a conversation before our next session? Because I'm really baffled. Like, I don't understand the social. He seemed so enlightened. And then at the same time, he has completely human qualities of being, you know, egocentric and of like having anger. That there was this woman who left his community, having anger and being really like pissed off with her. It's like, how can it be? I can't really reconcile the two. And he said, just being enlightened doesn't mean that you don't have the personality. You still have the same, the same package of, of being who you are. It's just, it's like, I mean, it's like looking out through the window. The window is cleaner, but it's the same view outside. Uh, so it doesn't negate all these personal qualities that people have. And I think for many people, it can be um, a relief to know that they will not become uh, a saint and they will have to renounce all their you know family and friends and and become completely somebody completely different it's just you're 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 yourself even more fully actually but you're enjoying it more that's what i'm hearing like you're you're more thrilled you're more enjoying it there's less pain there's less suffering because you're not so identified with the character and with the thinking as well mm -hmm. yeah definitely that yeah. And, and when we remove the fears and we get to see that we're here to just observe what's happening next um in in a way that comes a question it's like well how do i live my life then hmm. and then there's that fear of like well what the heck mm -hmm. and and then this is when um we begin to have the conversation of, of that freedom to do what actually feels good mm. and uh, again a lot of fears gonna come up it's like well i need to support my family i need to pay for the mortgage and the rent and the food i can't do what i like or it could be well i don't like anything i just want to sit on the couch well mm. if you work for two decades doing the job you hate you've overworked your body and you haven't listened to your energy levels your body's gonna want to sit and not do mm. anything for quite some yeah. time and you shared this personal experience with me and when we talked about this sitting on the couch you said that you had this experience when you when you sat on the couch actually for i mean for a while yeah and then and could you speak to that? Because I think for many people that they would equate that with many different things like defeat or um, passivity, which I think for a person going from one to two, stage one to two, passivity is something to be avoided at all costs because they remember how it, how it was at stage one. It was something that, that really caused a lot of pain because you're passive, like things happen to you. So, and now you're again, you're passive again, you're sitting on the couch, like how that can be, how can this be good for me? So can you say what happened to you when you sat on the couch and, and what stopped you sitting on the couch or what changed that you uh, stopped mm -hmm. sitting on the couch? Um, yeah, beautiful question. Looking back at it and, and also trying to connect between what's what's the difference between sitting on the couch and being a couch potato. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know for high achievers, it's the biggest fear to be called a lazy bum. Mm -hmm. uh, because in, we've kind of we've we've shared this before that 
uh, is just at some point in our childhood, we were given validation when we performed, and now we uh, innocently, subconsciously made it mean something about us that we only uh, have value and worth in the world when we are doing something, when we're performing. Mm -hmm. So uh, this feels great when we're actually doing something, we're moving our businesses and projects forward. And it feels like crap when we're on vacation, trying to spend time with our family. And we just can't because it doesn't feel good because it's not productive. So yeah. like it's definitely what you, what you shared there is 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 a huge thing. So um, f- seeing it from the high achiever level, not not from the victim, when, from the victim mm-hmm. when we are sitting on the couch, how I see it is we are resisting and fearing action. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, it, there's, there's like a resistance of it. At the high achiever level, now we learn to resist sitting. <laughs> yeah we forgot how it felt to sit on level on stage one and now we need to remember that again right and and all of those fears are coming from uh just mid this misconstrued understanding of who we are in the world what the world is hmm. uh, because the mind has taken responsibility for moving the world right it's like mm-hmm. if if I'm not going to get up today, the sun is not going to get up. Mm. We go to that level of taking responsibility for the world that um, if I just sit on the couch, what's it going to be about me? And so uh, it, it also, like, it's not, it's not just us. Like, yes, there's an internal uh, critic, but also the society and even our relationships, right? Mm. Uh, especially being, being men in masculine bodies. If we don't do anything, our loving partners are going to be poke at us. You lazy mm-hmm. bum. I don't want a man like this. You got to go do something. So there's definitely going to be a, a lot of weight for us to not allow ourselves to sit. Um, and in a way to sit, I'm not saying sit for, that's it, don't do anything ever. But mm-hmm. uh, when we listen to our bodies, and it's something that my girlfriend um, has a tendency to go through like from both her conditioning and, and the way she is built her um, the way she's she's kind of wired mm-hmm. a lot of passion for multiple projects so she's running of time in the day and when her body is saying I can't handle this anymore the mind is suppressing that mm-hmm. we don't listen to our bodies because shut up body you know I need more energy mm-hmm. you I'm going to optimize you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna put all these yeah. devices so I sleep better and I'm going to feed mm-hmm. you so that you parade like a racing horse and and mm-hmm. everything else. When, when the body is just saying, it's like, come on, dude, can I just like a little break, please? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is answering your question. So like, these are all the ways that would be in the way of mm-hmm. us slowing down. And what happens, I, I think this is, the number of one conversation I'm having with people is that I can't sit down because I got to get these outcomes. I got to finish this work. I got to get more clients. I got to get more money. I got to yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, uh, let's do an experiment. Or I'm sure whoever's listening, they've had this in their lifetime. Uh, when you're chilling by the beach, 
you're chilling in the pool, you're on the ski slopes, you are enjoying your life and you come down in the evening and you check your emails and you have that meeting scheduled with that CEO that you've been trying to make for the past six months. Mm-hmm. Or you have a new client come in and you have a new purchase uh, and or you get an idea, all of a sudden you're clear on what your goal is for the next year going to be. Mm-hmm. So so it's like, uh, it's helping these minds who can slow down to say that uh, kind of a little step in between these consciousness level jumps is that um, we create more when we listen to our body and when we relax. Mm. somehow this is this is again this is you can call a law of attraction but it's i don't want to use that it's just a law mm. the, so yeah what i'm what I'm, yeah ahead, just yeah. just just an uh yeah emphasize here that what i'm hearing that there are two things happen when you're say on the ski slope that something internal can happen <clears throat> person can say internal an idea comes that that really proves profitable and that wouldn't have happened if you had been working i don't know in in the office as you usually were, but because you're having fun and enjoying life, it came to you. And also, you, are you saying that something external, external can happen, such as, you know, somebody ordering from you or you getting this um, CEO reaching back to you? Is that also a result of having fun and being in that state of, of flow and enjoyment of life? Um, I haven't spoken with any one person just yet who didn't experience this already in their life where Mm. they're not doing anything and wonderful things come Mm. uh i haven't i haven't spoken to one person yet um maybe like at the victim consciousness we're just a little blocking those experiences like the mind Mm. is not letting us to to remember those good memories Mm. uh but this is happens to everybody describe it as you want love manifestation attraction whatever you want um, but this is what happens. And when we understand that this is what's happening, it will give us a reason and excuse to that. Okay. I can actually do what my body wants. Hmm. So again, it feels that there is, um, that's interesting. I think it's quite a powerful testimonial to that, that not a single person you've spoken to had not had this happen to them. Um, and it's also it, it speaks to trust again I think that you can no, notice in that you can kind of trust in in letting go of control a bit more again so we're coming to letting go of control from a bit different angle this time that good things will happen if you let go of control not only will not life fall apart but actually good things will happen and the person looks back in their life and they notice that, yeah, I had this experience in the past when it when it already was true for me. So it gives more credibility and, and makes it easier to, to seed of control. It's like already, I have the proof already. So maybe it's going to be true in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also, you know, what occurred to me when you said about the law of attraction, I think, and in connection with the three different stages, I think many people use law of attraction from the second stage, myself included in the past. And I was wondering, like, why doesn't it work? Or why does it feel so much um, effortful or so tedious? You know, when you just try to imagine all those charts and the, the future ideal, you know, day. And 
and it's applying that same mentality of achievement yeah of trying to make things happen from stage two now just using law of attraction so i'm gonna will into existence will the universe into existence so it gives me what i want and what i'm hearing is in the third stage there is there's trust yes and there's almost no um is there some influence or is there the need to influence is there the universe that gives you what it wants or you know or is there a need to apply the law of attraction or the more you 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 seed of control the more those good things start to to appear without you actually having to practice or do anything uh, consistently uh such a packed question um i, yeah. I, I love the level of depth uh we're, yeah. we're going here i think it's, it's just many people have this experience you know law of attraction is just so common and just from the second stage, it would just seem so natural. It's like, okay, it's the tool. Let's apply it. Let's let's use it. Let's let's uh, make make it work. And it just if it doesn't work, like what what am I doing wrong with this? Yeah. So how would it look uh, like from the third level? Yeah. I am in a I'm a part of uh, a number of high achiever groups, and I'm a part of a number of manifestation groups that are operating from the second level. Where, okay, now I'm in control of my manifestations. Exactly how you said. And what's happening in those groups, I'm observing. And it's interesting. I haven't uh, seen the manifestation teachers address this from their level of understanding. I'd be curious to see how they see it. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a pattern. People come in, they get excited about a manifestation. They keep doing this stuff. They get their manifestation happen. They find a relationship. They find, you know, checks are coming in. Uh, jobs uh, are being given to them within months two three months they're back down like mm. relationship ends up in explosion and fires uh, the work either they hate it or there's a new boss that comes in or a new project that is just like burning them out or basically something happens with that good manifestation that slaps them upside the head mm -hmm. and this is what's happening at the second level from everything that i've learned about the slow manifestations that because when we're creating it from the level of the mind the mind has comes from the uh world of polarity there's the good and the bad so i only want the good but the law of manifestation is when we create the good there's automatically the same bad that is already created mm. so when we're doing that um, we're also creating the bad, but when we look at it from the higher level perspective is when we haven't risen to the higher level of consciousness, I want a relationship so that I am feeling loved. Mm -hmm. So at that level, the mind is like, okay, I want a relationship. Here's the relationship. You're in the relationship and the person doesn't message you back within two hours that you mm -hmm. expect them to mm -hmm. what do you do you feel not loved when you feel not loved you're gonna yell at the person you're gonna um, treat them maybe even subconsciously to all kinds of experiences they're gonna chase mm -hmm. the person away so now you're back without the person and you're not loved again mm -hmm. So, but is it really the bad thing that's happening? So kind of this is now uh, answering to the question. It's like at, at the higher level, 
you know, when do you see the good things coming? When you see that this bad thing that you lost the relationship again, and you're feeling not loved, this is actually an opportunity now to go within, to raise the consciousness, to understand that your love is not coming from the other person. Mm -hmm. You're not loving yourself. Nobody out there is going to love you. Mm -hmm. If if you are expecting from your relationship things that you know they they don't know that they need to give you, they're not going to happen. So, um, what you mentioned, kind of the good things start happening at the higher level of consciousness. What actually is happening is that everything that is happening in life becomes good. Hmm. Yeah. So. In that example you give, then the breakup would be seen as good because it gives the opportunity for more self-love and kind of uh, invites us to look inside of ourselves and see that do I love myself first? And it's an invitation to to go inside. So that's why we don't see it as bad. But but on the second level, we see it as bad because we want to be with somebody. And if we have a breakup, that means the person doesn't love us. We are unlovable and, and all of that. And I think it's also, you know, I love that I heard that it's not just in that example you gave when you um, expect somebody to reply to you and they don't reply and you want, uh, the person wanted to be loved when they started the relationship. It's I love that you said it's the actions. It was so clear that the, the actions would lead to the breakup. The person would be anxious the person would be really demanding the person would be really insecure about their partner so that the actions would lead to the breakup but it's also it occurred to me that what energy are they transmitting at that moment they're transmitting the the, the not lovable like then being not lovable or being not loved because they're still afraid because there's still this uh, wanting to be loved to come from another person so that they, in a way they're they're doing the actions and they're also transmitting the signal that i'm afraid i'm not loved and that comes back to them. So maybe that person, maybe their their partner initiates a breakup or um, something happens. So they attract what they really were like sending out. Um, and that's so that's so interesting. So also I think it's it's really crucial. The difference I think between level two and level three I hear is that you really find what you're seeking inside of you. In the example of being loved, you on the level two, you're still trying to manifest it in the in another person. You want to find it outside. And then level three, you maybe find it inside of you. And then even those negative experiences of as a breakup, you don't take them as as uh, heavily because you you have a more stable grounding inside of you. Almost feels like and that kind of explains to me, you know, why I have, I've read so many books on the law of attraction. And every time it just felt like, like you, you, you explained it, I was going back, like it, it was working and I was going back, it was working, and I was going back. And that was now I see it as a mechanism of actually self-protection or invitation to, to stop looking out and to look inside and to stop chasing things out. And in a way, it's just so so beautiful because it serves us because otherwise what would happen we would just keep manifesting and we would just keep looking for stuff outside 
for love, for abundance, for whatever good feelings we want in the objects or people outside. And we would never look inside. We would never find them because there would be no no incentive because we just could, could manifest. And it's like a rubber band that, that you have some results and then it puts you back. You have some results. And then at some point you start like thinking like, wow, should I maybe look inside or is there something else? Is there another mechanism that that that's at play here? Um, so that's been really interesting to to hear. Yeah, and kind of I think yeah. at least one last thought on this idea is that on the second, the biggest difference is that on the second level of achievement, I am here, I am lacking, mm -hmm. I need to set a goal to get somewhere else mm -hmm. where that thing exists that I'm lacking right now. And on the third level, th there is nothing for me to manifest. What I have right now is what I have manifested for this particular moment. Mm -hmm. from all of the moments, from all of the planets and star systems, from billions of years, this is the moment that I need to be right now. Mm. Why? Yeah. So the level of achievement is like, oh, why is this happening to me? Or I wish this was happening to me. And the third level, it's, it's kind of this curious exploration. I wonder why this is happening. Hmm. Yeah, almost uh, you can feel viscerally how different it is that in the second, almost the shoulders go down. It's like, ah, you just relax into it. And in the second level, it's almost uh, there's an, an incessant running. You keep chasing things. You keep wanting different or better things all the time. And of course, there's no uh, there is no relax, relaxation or relief because you just keep looking for something out. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm I'm wondering, is there something you would recommend to a person who is, so say they listen to this conversation and they want to go from level two to level three? Where would you suggest they start? One of the places, if they if they don't contact you or don't reach out to you don't if they want to do something how would you how would you suggest they, they go about it because there are different pieces to it yeah there's the 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 lack of um free will they could see that there is the lack of me actually the the, the something that that is directing our experience there's distrust so where would you suggest they go first um the number one thing is is in a way this conversation isn't about that you have been trying to grow in this area but now you need to be growing in this area instead so it's like yeah. stop listening to this stuff start listening to this stuff yeah um in in a way this is like the end of chase mm -hmm. but also it is important to uh, to stay in this conversation because most likely if you're listening uh, to this in your life you don't have people 
who have these types of conversations. Mm. Uh, you have uh, relatives and money and bills to pay and everything else. And that will continue to pull at you. So there's, I, I, I don't know if there's any better way, but to somehow continue to stay in this conversation. Mm. Like this is happening for a lot of people. They're waking up to the reality of what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. and, and we're all searching our ways. And I think it's just uh, the number one thing I would say, continue in this conversation. Mm. Find the people, find the communities, um, find the books, which is which is funny. Find the books, like a lot of spirituality aspects of the, uh, as well. It's like, if you're at the second level, you're going to try to achieve spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> achieve yeah. enlightenment. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good question. To up, up level your um, spiritual level. To try harder to <laughs> to to achieve uh, surrender. You try you're, harder to achieve surrender. Right, you're not manifesting hard enough. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. I love that advice, and I think it's really it's the best one I think you can give. And that that really stay in this conversation can take different forms to different people. It can be listening to conversations like that. It can be reading books. It can be joining a group. It can be watching videos on YouTube. But what I'm hearing is that keep educating yourself on it, keep exploring it so that you don't slide back into level two or one because there's so many people around you, not just the obligations, but also so many people who are living there and who will kind of pull you back unintentionally maybe, but just by the fact of them living there. And I also imagine it as a pyramid um, where the top the the people who live on level three are just there's such a tiny minority that that the number the level two and one and they, they don't mean necessarily that the, the level three is the best and level one is the worst but in just a number of people so that number two will be just so many there will be so many more people who live this way and especially around the high achievers i think all the friends would be probably high achievers the colleagues their bosses and yeah, it will be very easy to slide back into this mentality of trying to make things happen. Uh, so some forward motion is needed for them to continue educating themselves and looking deeper and deeper into this. Um, and I had personal experience when I, in 2018, I came across Michael Neal's uh, The Inside Out Revolution and I got to know the three principles. And it's been, after that, it was years after I got back to it because I didn't I didn't continue the conversation because I read the book and it was like, cool, yeah, I can see it now. And then I didn't notice that I stopped seeing it at some point. And I got back into the second stage and I got, got back into like trying, reading books and trying to make things happen. And coming back to three principles was like finding home again. I was like, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm home. I don't need to run. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's, that's nice to remember. And had I stayed in the in the conversation, had I continued, there would be just so much mm, easier and faster to to be okay with leaving stage two or moving towards stage three. If if you look back at it, kind of here's here's the question: that mm -hmm. what if there was nothing for the listener to do, and that the next 
book, the next message, the next community is going to find them. Like, for example, you found it, you lost it, and then you found it again. So like when you found it again, what happened? Why did you go back to it? I guess it was just for the same. I mean, it was again this, I think it's um, probably the motivation was the same that I felt that there's something's not, I think that's what happens with many people you speak to, that something's not working. Like something's, there's more. I'm doing a lot and there's still more. There's still, I'm still not, I'm not, I'm not home, you know, I don't feel calm. I don't feel peace. I, I'm, I'm still looking for something. And the book found me the first time and the book found me the second time as well. And, and maybe that time needed to pass. So it's not like I was searching for it. Um, and I think I love this advice or idea that, yeah, maybe it doesn't mean that people have to consciously like keep going, you know, go on Amazon and browse books about three principles right now. The books will find them when they're open to it. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that you can just, or maybe it is, maybe from, from my perspective, maybe because I'm not, I, maybe I, I haven't sat on the couch long enough that, that yeah, I would trust the couch with <laughs> more, but maybe if you, yeah, maybe you can sit on the couch and the book will find you, like you'll get an idea and you'll go read the book and, and it will change your life. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody had experience when the book found them. The book just appeared in form of a friend recommending it, in form of uh, something popped up. They remembered about the title. And I think, again, I think just people tend to overlook those experiences. Like, okay, that was nice, but but I can't really trust it. I can't really trust this mechanism, this wisdom that it will supply me with not just the name of a book to read, but with what to do next in life and, and who next to contact, who is the potential client, what is the potential project I could do. And just for me, it was really big change recently that I, I could see that this system can be trusted that it's a reliable system of inner wisdom that we all have and it doesn't work uh sporadically it doesn't work just sometimes and sometimes it doesn't it works all the time when we know how to use it and i think what happens on stage two from our conversation i can see that people really rely on their intellect they rel rely on their analytical mind of solving problems and that helps them to achieve, that helps them to go from one level to the next. But then when they keep using this tool that is not supposed to be used as a guidance tool for life, that tool keeps solving problems that, that first it can't solve, and then second, that it has nothing to do with, with this person. You know, that's why it's like it's like a fireman that keeps putting houses on fire so it can you know, you have some some work. <laughs> I was, was, was going to say, yeah, or it yeah. finds problems to solve. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that has something to do. And and what they notice, I think, and what trust gives, um, like points to the fact that you can trust the your intelligence. You can trust that ideas will come to you. You can trust that life is organized, created in an intelligent way. So it's not just a, a chaotic, um, you know, fight of all against all and that that where you have to really struggle mm -hmm. and when this happens i think it becomes easier to to let go because when you say somebody like you need to let go and they look back on level one and level two and like no like i, I you know i can't because you know it's gonna fall apart so it was for me really necessary to see that 
there's not there out there's outside intelligence to my life that keeps guiding me but there's also an inside wisdom that keeps giving me ideas on what to do next and 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 it's always supplying them it doesn't work sometimes only it will all works all the time if if i disengage from the mind and trying to make things happen trying to solve my life as if it's a problem yeah um, and i love that like we said in facebook when we we're you know commenting that in different ways lead to the same mountaintop that people can come from many different directions here yeah and it uh, opens uh, different flavors of exploration to different people depending on their preferences um, but they all kind of point in the same direction yeah that mm, of 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 surrender of of inspired action of um stopping to make things happen making things happen willing things into existence and life becomes so much easier mm -hmm. so much more enjoyable and i think everybody knows how it feels i mean everybody was a kid once and we remember we can remember how it was when we were children like that's how life felt but I, we always think that well there was you know there was back then it, it will never happen again because it's only the, in the childhood it's possible this way because we didn't have obligations or we were taken care of but it wasn't because of that it was because we we're relying we we're using our mind in the in the way it's it's supposed to be used we use analytical mind and we use the free-flowing mind and we don't we don't go like analytical mind is the hammer we don't go with the hammer everywhere we go you know can we don't keep pounding like we want to have make lunch and we, we we use the hammer we use it when it needs to be used and so it's i think it's very exciting to know that it, it's accessible to any of us anytime this kind of ease and flow that we experience as children and and there are different ways to lead to the same mountaintop so just keep having this conversation and keep looking into it and keep following the feeling maybe of you know that that i think everybody has of like this is the right way this is the, the feeling informs that this is the right path um, Ooh, and i, I want to yeah. emphasize that the feeling informs that this is the right path mm. i think in the second stage we'll we're taught that we're supposed to forget how we feel we're going to feel lazy and we're going to do it anyway Mm. we got to forget about the feeling we can't be emotional we have mm -hmm. to be logical we have to be stick to the plan and on this third level it's the feeling has your truth has your direction yeah it's an, it's interesting also that in the relationship with first and second stage with feeling i think it's also interesting because on the first stage at least in my when we started exploring this and and when i left a comment to your post on on facebook i came to the same realization but from a bit different angle of also three stages and i think what i saw was that the first stage i called it waiting and you call it you know like when we're very basically a victim yeah but i call it waiting so we we're waiting for things to we're waiting to feel ready we're waiting to feel confident we're ready to feel that we can take action and we're waiting for the right feeling to arise for something to shift outside so that we can take action that's why we feel like we're we're the victim because we're waiting so much uh, and then we we discovered that we can take action regardless of how we feel we don't have to wait for the feeling i think that's similar to what you said that you you can just disregard the feeling 
you can do the thing and you just i think that's what people you know that's what nike's slogan speaks about you know just do it you don't don't care about how you feel just do it and it can be very empowering to just do it and do and you just do it you achieve so many things and it can be really uh it's like a drug you know it's intoxicating to to keep, keep doing it and things you know things break down and as a result of that the body breaks down maybe the relationship breaks down but because of this thrill of achievement it can be like you can just write it off and, and keep keep just doing it and then the third stage is surrender yeah when you or empowerment i called it yeah when, when you just stop mm, when you start doing things for others in a way that you 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 you're concerned with with just not just yourself but there's something shifts that you start thinking about the the bigger legacy and not just so that you can get something but just from the fact that that, that something shifted in you and that concern for others overflows you i think that's what happens with with leaders like you know gandhi or with the buddha or jesus that they really did things for they didn't need anything from other people they they their cup was overflowing they're given from that fullness and on the from the second stage it may look like they found some amazing motivation inside or like they, they found their you know the that that source of being in the mood all the time or like keep being in action but what they really found was that they stepped back uh, from being in control yeah and they've become just the vessel of of action they became the the action they're not doing the action and and it's interesting how the hand attitude to, towards feeling changes like you said on stage two we we just brush it off like it, it doesn't matter we just keep going and and maybe you could speak to that that you mentioned in the comment and i could you kind of ask this a uh, little riddle to people and i couldn't really i couldn't i couldn't guess it you said that on this on level one we have selfishness on level two we have selfish selflessness service. was it service yeah, yeah. or altruism Sur mm -hmm. yeah and on level two we have selfishness again but but different you said so what is the the difference in flavor between level one and three Oh, th thank you for touching that. I uh, love that. And I just want to um, say, when you said the third level is not just surrender, but it's a level of empowerment. Mm. And this is a key thing for that could be helpful for high achievers because the third level of surrender, screw that surrender, I'm not giving up. Yeah. But the way you said it, empowerment, I love like just there's a different feeling to it that but it's not the personal empowerment. And this this has something to do with the selfishness on the third level. Um, that also kind of something that I heard, it's not that we surrender the control. It is that we surrender to the control that is already there. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, Which that's, is that's beautiful. very yeah. empowering. So I love how you said it's not surrender, it's the empowerment. Hmm. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is you surrender to the control. It's not you, it's not like you surrender action and you become impassive, but you surrender to the action that is happening through you so that you can empower even more people, so you can impact even more people. And maybe that would be appealing to people who are high achievers and they're listening to this because they want to impact more people, but they think the only way is to just keep working harder on level two. But you know, you will impact so many more people from level three because you will be even more empowering, even more impactful, while 
with less control and doing like when doing will willing less things to into existence when you get out of the way and let life happen right but yeah. um to your point kind of this this selfishness altruism and then selfishness again so what's happening is um selfishness at the bottom is both where it's the victim consciousness that i don't want to do anything but it's also selfishness at the level of many silicon valley startup founders right now that uh i want to get rich i want mm -hmm. to profit from the whole thing so i'm going to steal from other people i'm not going to do the you know good business tactics like i'm going to open up a casino like all of this, like the the lower level of of types of businesses that mm -hmm. are not serving the whole, uh, selfish. Then we get to the level of altruism, where very good word. Uh, even you know Dalai Lama saying altruism is the the top thing of of, of our life. Mm -hmm. But we get caught because this is such a high value of being altruistic. Mm -hmm. We then make it mean that I have to give up myself hmm. for the service of others. And where we get stuck here on the second level of altruism, I'm part of several groups like this, very well-meaning people and individuals. They want to save the world. They want to um, make an impact, help other people change their lives and everything else, but at the cost of their own. Hmm. That means I have to get up at three in the morning, even though I hate it. That means I have to struggle through a bunch of stuff. I have to forget about my wants. This is, in a way, the um, uh, big thing with women and, and young mothers, where they feel guilty to step away from their child because it's their thing they're supposed to take care of. Mm -hmm. So they put the child on a pedestal that is above them that, you know, they can't sleep, they have to serve the child. And this is very well received by society, right? It's like, oh my God, you're such an amazing person. You're doing all of this service. But what happens here, um, and at this point we get to experience, we try to give, the thing is not received or is not received up to our expectation. We're not given the proper amount of uh, thankfulness or... Uh, the actual impact that we're making, we want to see the impact that we're making. We want proof of it. But we don't because we were giving with an intent to serve others. When we don't receive that result of service, we feel resentful. Mm -hmm. Why did I have to do that when he didn't need it, when she didn't need it? And it's like, and then when the baby, the child grows up as, as somebody who we would rather them not become, it's like, oh my God, I wasted all my years hmm. and doing all of this stuff. So we become resentful. So there's alt altruism where others are above me. And what happens here is that oxygen mask theory where we need to put oxygen mask on us first because when we are alive, when we have the energies, when we get to shine on, on the outside and that's when we serve the most and the best. That's when people mm -hmm. receive. So at this third level, this is the third level of selfishness that I'm actually going to take care of me first so that I serve others. And in a way, kind of, this is the level of oneness per se, right? It's like if we're all one, then, then there isn't uh, you or me is better. If I'm serving you, but I'm giving up on me, 
then I'm not serving me. If I'm serving me, but I'm not serving you, then I'm not serving you. But at this level, whether I'm serving me or serving you, because we're one, I'm being so I'm I'm taking care of me. Hmm. I'm being selfish. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful um, distinction that I think personally for me was difficult to see. And I spent some time on level two and I know how it feels that you're creating something and you give it to people and then you think it's it's pure altruism and it's pure giving, but but you actually have expectations of how it should be received. And when those are not met, it becomes bitterness and becomes you know irritation and and you wonder like how could those feelings come from from altruism how can this bitterness come from or me truly wanting to give to people but it was because of expectations it was because of it's still it has an agenda yeah of how it might how much people how many people it needs to impact or how would they will need to thank me and and also, I, I think you know all everybody knows about the, the 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 oxygen mask, but on level three it becomes so logical. It's like yeah, if if everybody's one, then then why don't I serve myself first? Just it just seems so logical that yeah it will help me, will allow me to serve more people, and and also, I think it becomes so clear like. If I don't serve myself, who's gonna serve me? If I'm, yeah, like if if I don't take care of myself, who will take care of me? Like who is my best friend in a way? Like why why would I spend all my time serving other people when there is this me who is not served? Um, yeah, that's 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 interesting, and I think it's. Um, I don't know if uh, do, do you know the writer Ayn Rand? She wrote mm -hmm. the, the Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. She wrote some essays on selfishness, and many people were triggered by it. And I think now looking looking back, I think she was speaking in a way from level two point five or three. If there is two point five, in a way that it's not not from level one. It's not like you get you get so you become selfish so that you get more you amass more fortune or get something for yourself, but just because if you are an individual. You are uniqueness, and and why not serve you? Like, why? Why does it mean that like your life doesn't matter in altruistic terms? It it, it means so. Like, you, everybody else is more valuable than me. That's why I'm serving them. And I think this is in a, in a way this is the theme of of the the fountain hand. Is this you know this this um, driving force of like trying to to make the main character be selfless, to be given, to be and all those people who are not really creating anything, they're saying that we're we're selfless. Yeah. So it's interesting to to see that perspective from from these three levels now and selfishness and selflessness. Yeah. And then when we it's it's like when we love ourselves the most is when all of the opportunities to give our serve with our gifts open up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's and that's when our job you know when you having said all of this when tomorrow you wake up and you forget the fears 
course, it's it's going to be a little process. And you feel totally free. You're not feeling jailed by your responsibilities and bill payments and everything else. You feel totally free to do what you like. And know that that will serve the most, even your loved ones, even when, when you're going to tell your family, it's like, guys, I just need a day off. And you allow yourself that day off and, and they come back and then you, and they love you even more for that. And it's like, then there's just that freedom just to be who we are. Like it's, it's not, uh, no longer trying to be who we were taught we should be. Mm. But it's yeah. like, I am this and I love doing this. And, and, and when everybody's like that, it's like, yeah. oh, man. there'll be quite, quite a world to live in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a beautiful, um, beautiful place to end here. And because from this place of um, possibility, and how it feels to really live from that place of of ease and inspiration and enjoying your life and serving yourself, not just others, and and really having fun in your life. Mm. So thank you so much, Dmitry, for this conversation. It's been there's so many nuggets of gold. I'm sure people who are listening and watching will find for themselves and so many practical ideas to tell off as well, not just not just the theory, but but also ideas of where how they can go about it and progress from stage to stage. So, when people want to have a conversation with you, reach out and and continue this discussion. How they can do it? Um, sure. It's um, my main website right now, flowhabit.com. And thank you for asking that. And um, whatever platform that this is, you're hearing this on. If there's way to place a comment i'm sure we'll get to see it um and then find us on facebook instagram yeah so we'll, we'll put all the links here in the description so people can find it and um i would really encourage somebody listening to this if, if they feel moved by it in any way to reach out <clears throat> and like you said continue the conversation yeah continue the conversation in any form and really follow that nudge don't don't post don't wait don't postpone it because life passes by quickly and just keep keep can keep having this conversation whatever form um feels right to you whoever is listening and thank you so much for for explaining those three levels and in so from so many different levels and um perspectives and i love the depth and the scope of how much we could cover in this in this conversation I'm looking at the time like it seemed like only 10 minutes passed. That's, yeah, yeah, time time really flew. Yeah. Yeah. If we if we booked the room we would we would be kicked out already, yeah. If, <laughs> if we booked it for a certain period of time, but that's that's the beauty of having virtual conversations. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, uh, um thank you for following your passion in initiating this conversation. Mm. And let's see where we go from here. Yeah, exciting to see it. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Bye bye.